Discussing documentaries with me, Matt Wills, and the incorrigible, is that the right word? Incorrigible Rick Water. Is that Needed the right encouragement word? has been said quite a lot throughout <laughs> my life. Needs encouraging. Um, today's... I think encourageable means I'm fucking problem on a night out. I don't... Are you encourageable? I don't know. I'll look that up afterwards. Um, so today's documentary is Icarus. It's from the year 2017. The provider is Netflix who bought it and then they made it a Netflix original. But I think originally he found the money himself and him being the man in question in this one because it was written and directed by Brian Fogle. Now, just for clarity, Rick has what I call some skin in the game with Brian Fogle, the director, because Brian Fogel's new documentary... I'm not aware of this. What's the this? <laughs> Brian I, Fogel... I actively don't hang out with cyclists. <laughs> so Brian Fogel's new directory is called The Dissident, and it's about a certain journalist uh, linked to a certain country, which is linked to the buying of a certain football club. So it's in the sand, daddy. Oh, okay. We may at a later date be doing The Dissident. I don't know. We're getting a high volume of complaints about me talking about (laughs) oil barons buying certain football clubs known as a director's test. So, yeah, we'll see. So let's see how Rick gets on with Brian Fogel's first step into the documentary world. Uh, The Money, it's from Netflix. So as as with all Netflix stuff, there's no money or figures currently released. And the accolades, this is, and I find this hard to believe, I think this is going to be episode 26 or 27. This is our first Oscar winner. Yes, a documentary won an Oscar. And it also, uh, it it won seven other awards, which is is quite spectacular. Uh, And I'm surprised that it won all the awards because... Yeah, I'm quite surprised. I didn't say I'd... I mean, I enjoyed the documentary, but was it award-winning? I think we've seen much better documentaries. I guess it depends what comes out in the year, though, right? It is, but it's also the social impact of a documentary because... I mean, if we yeah, yeah, fair point. I, I, I'm I'm not surprised in the slightest by the award because of the footage they've got, but this, in my opinion, is two one-hour documentaries. It's a bloody long documentary. Because no, there are two completely separate documentaries. Oh God, yeah, absolutely. Right, let me. Well, let's and, let's get into that. Because let right, let me finish the blurb and then let let's get you started up. I feel like I've got you in the because you've been going on it. Because today I was like, yeah, we we could do this tomorrow if you like. You're like, no, 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 let's do it today. Let's do it today. So um, I feel like you're you're I, in I have the a lot uh, on my on my to do list at the moment. <laughs> like, no, 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 we'll do it tomorrow. You fucking worry. <laughs> I feel like you're a horse being held in the traps waiting to go. So the blurb on this documentary. In this Oscar winning film, an American cyclist plunges into a vast doping scandal involving a Russian scientist who is Putin's most wanted whistleblower. So, Rick, why did I choose this one? What do you reckon, Uh man? I, I think shortly after your breakdown, you started doing healthy things. And since you're not very good at sports, <laughs> you chose cycling. Yeah. How's my aim? 
Yeah, nailed it, man. <laughs> and, and this one mentioned cycling, and then we didn't. The first hour of this documentary, you're right, it was two documentaries. Because it was the first hour was about Brian. Yeah, and they could have cut that out. Brian Vogel. So it's it's not a bad idea. There's something similar. Do you know the guy who did the Super Size Me documentary? The yes, McDonald's. Morgan Spurlock. Yeah. He did a series, a mini series, where people did different things, and a guy took steroids for a test for a month to see how he was. Okay, so all right. I remember seeing that, and I, I'm that, always that's my see, like, that's my YouTube feed. Just so you know, <laughs> what's that? It's all, all of stuff like that. I've tried steroids for a month. Here's what happened. I lived on oh, broccoli for fifteen days. Here's what happened. I find it fascinating. I've I've been on the keto diet for almost two weeks now, and I'm yet to achieve ketosis where I can fly. But <laughs> I, I think it's coming. I think it's coming. I, I mainly just, I don't know if it's proper keto diet, though, because I just eat pork chops every night and then whisper the words keto afterwards. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I think that's it. Yeah. yeah. You, you got to spin around in a circle three times and that's it. Job done. All oh, right. Well, we're cool then. Oh. So what did you reckon then? Icarus. I loved it. I loved it. So, so, so start off and it's Brian Fogel is a cyclist and that, that was disheartening to begin with, but it's, it's good footage like of cut, cut <laughs> well, together hang on, montages. Hang on, hang on. What's, what's wrong with, because I think cyclists, I think that it, this is a Marmite thing. You're either a cyclist and you, or you like cycling or you don't. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Like, here's the thing. You can't, I don't like sports that don't have highlights. Do you not watch the Tour de France? No, because it's got no highlights. It's just a bunch of people going along the road. Like it's not that interesting. Yeah, racing. It's listen. If there's one highlight of a race, you've seen them all. It's a bit like rugby. All right, there's no great tries. All right, there's no. You watch match of the day, and you'll see some midfielder you've never seen for Watford ping one in the top corner. You go, that was incredible. You can put that out there, and that's a reason to watch it. Basketball. Watch Jordan jump from the fucking free throw line and dunk. Yeah, and yeah. you see this other skinny white guys just clicking from seventh gear to sixth gear as they're going up a hill. It's not that interesting to us. That's, yeah, that's okay. all I'll say Fair about enough. cycling. All right. But um, so the his idea is flawless for a documentary, but it takes a massively strange turn. So his idea is he's going to try and do what Lance Armstrong did and film it. So he's going to take the anabolic steroids yeah. and see where he ends up in in terms of improvement. Yes, and in terms of whether or not he can pass the piss tests. Yes, and then so that's what that's about. And then he gets in touch with. It's because he thinks the game is rigged. Yeah, and we and, right, which as in the game, he thinks the game that everyone said is no longer rigged in terms of cycling and doping in sports. Well, doping in cycling, because cycling's his thing. Um, he says, actually, it must be rigged. Okay, I'm going to rig myself. What happens? And that's how the film starts. Like, you'd think Lance Armstrong's a huge component of the documentary. I think he's like yeah. the nugget that starts it. But again, goes vastly further away from him. I've seen some brilliant stuff on Lance Armstrong. The guy's a psychopath. Well, he passed um, over 500 doping tests, Lance Armstrong, right? So his yeah, the, so they the show program all that he was on was incredible. Yeah. And it was so smart. There's a documentary on Armstrong where there's, they've got the um, the reporters. You know how the reporters drive alongside them and record them? Yeah. And the reporters go, this is like day four. He's done 100 X miles. And I'm watching him, and he's not even breathing heavy. He's just moving yeah. along. Like he's, and at that moment, he went, he's on something. There's no way this guy's human. Well, it was a British journalist, wasn't it, who uh, 
who uncovered it all and who, who led the charge and who got he was uh, he had a real bad time when he was trying to trying to get to the bottom of this. I think it was a, a telegraph or a Guardian journalist. Mm. Yeah. And as much as I'm, like, I'm not a newspaper fan, the documentaries we've looked at recently, none of this shit would have come to light. You know, Cambridge Analytica, Lance Armstrong, if it wasn't for the British press. So you've got to, yeah. you've got to salute these journalists. Yeah, so so then he starts his schedule. He starts to prepare his schedule for steroids, Brian Fogel, and he's doing what he says is the toughest cycling race yeah, in it, the world, which, again, I... Well, I, the I, amateur. It's, it, it's the toughest amateur cycling race in which, the world. Yeah. Which you'll not hear me compliment the Barkley Marathon too often. <laughs> <laughs> but if these guys ran it, I would have... At this point in the documentary, I was hoping for those because they're just cyclists, you know what I mean? And I know once you get... I've got one of my mates back home. He's got super into his cycling and he's mad for it. He's got like this super bike that tells you how well he's doing at different times. And he's got... Yep. Yeah, he's just nuts. Once, you, once you're into it, the endorphins from doing it, you love it. So I understand that as a hobby. They they start up the schedule and he's got a he gets in touch with a guy from I think it was Wada the yep. guy he initially gets in touch with who goes that's an excellent idea to see if the tests work yes and Wada is and, the world anti doping agency yes the way and then he gets in touch with him and goes listen if I do this this could really affect my legacy and the rest of my career for being involved with doping yeah given where where I work and things so here's the name of a Russian guy who definitely won't have a problem with this yeah. And basically, all he's trying to do is trick the doping to see that you can trick the doping. It's as simple as that. The race is doing is called the Halt Route. It's a seven-day race. I got to be honest. We've got so much to get through on this documentary. Fuck what the cycling route is. All right, all wait. Right. No, hang on, because this is because I want to do it. Oh Jesus! All right, right. Because it, it's so it's a seven-day race, and your job is to clearly by the end of this. You need to make sure I'm in a position where I'm like, yeah, fuck that. You're right. I don't want to do this because when I watched it. This was the reason I watched the documentary because I'm like, oh god, I want to do that race. It's weird when you see you're in the middle of a grueling sport. You can go into the news agents for a can of coke. <laughs> All right, that's... And, and that's the only time you can drink a can of coke because the rest of the time you got to watch your calories. So yeah, so it's a seven day race through the French Alps, and it's like the seven hardest days of the Tour de France, but over one week. And it just, uh, he did it clean and he finished 14th and he went, okay, drug me up. Let's see where I finish next year. So he has a one year plan and fair play to the guy, right? He's going to get on the old anabolic steroids and he's going to change his life. The bloke he contacts, first of all, is a guy called Don Catlin, right? Who's the head of, who was the head of WADA and who, who helped create the Olympic tests and everything. Don Catlin sounds like Bob Pogo who is Frank Murphy's manager out of F is for Family. You know, the breathless guy who works for uh, Mohican Airlines. Yeah, I know exactly who you're fucking mean. That's an excellent spot. Because when Don, Don Catlin was speaking, I'm like, I know this guy. Oh, backflips over that that connection. Just quickly, but have you had any experience with steroids? I have. So well, well, I was well, an asthmatic well. for a while and I used to take a, a the, the brown inhaler is a steroid. Is that why you saw Jack? <laughs> That's, yeah. yeah, I'm like a I'm like a mini The Rock. If if you haven't seen my pictures, Google me, and you will uh, see uh, uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson and me. Here's the thing: you are, would be a remarkably tough person to push over. You are so fucking <laughs> compact and tense at all times. 
You're just like a, a mini little roadblock, so I can see <laughs> if that's what that comes from. You got the Lionel Messi of podcasts. That's, that's from your days as a bellboy carrying heavy suitcases on your brown inhaler. And everything about this documentary I was into until it wasn't about what I thought it was about. So the bit you're probably going to enjoy mm, of the so, documentary is the bit where I was like, ugh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I bet it's a flip, yeah. So in Chesley Street, where I'm from, that had a, the highest, again, I'm telling this by someone in the High Crown <laughs> pub, so don't fucking quote me on this, but it had like the highest per like square mile of teenagers on steroids. For bodybuilding. For bodybuilding, a huge bodybuilding town because... Um, uh, basically, the guy who won Mr. Universe, uh, Tony Citroni, and there's a cafe. Uh, get, this gets madder, all right? This gets absolutely madder. And if, if, if any listeners want to fucking dispel, because I would love to find out if this next part I'm about to tell you is true, but it's one of the it's one of the legends of Chessie Street. And I've been on stag dues when I've, when I've questioned this, and I've been yelled down. So basically, uh, a huge bodybuilding town. There's Citroni's gym. There's about four gyms in a very small town. And I had I had people in my year that went away skinny at the end of year ten or year eleven, came back to six form so big they had to reintroduce themselves to people that they had been to school with. Wow! My mate that I said the cyclist was always the biggest lad, and he's been he's like never done steroids or anything. Like that. He's just been an absolute monster in the gym his whole time, and he fucking hates the fact that people have like done shortcuts. But I've I've seen the difference when people cycle on and off, and they get fucking jacked quick. But um, so so Tony Citroni won the Mr. Universe competition three years in a row before, up until the year Arnold Schwarzenegger won. Nice. And there is the law of Chesley Street that Schwarzenegger, for a summer, worked out with Citroni and then worked in the calf with him. Well, okay, let me back this up, right? So Arnold Schwarzenegger lived with a family in East London in Forest Gate. I read this once uh, and he still goes back and sees them because he spent some time in England just before he won Mr. Universe. I, I'm back in. I'm, I'm buying into all of that. But he calls the people in Forest Gate who he lived with his second family. And I'm wondering if I got the gates right. Wrong, because the, and it was your gate and not my gate. No, it wasn't Gateshead. It was Chesley Street. So that that would be super interesting then uh, to find that out. I'd love to know because like people get territorial over that because like I've always like oh yeah Arnie used to serve tea to the fucking dinner ladies on their lunch break, did he? No, I've heard that. Yeah, and he he was he helped the Forest Gate family in their business as well. That's weird that we're both hearing these. And, and uh, why would Arnold Schwarzenegger put out urban myths about him working lowly paid jobs? <laughs> well, I don't know if it's Schwarzenegger starting the route. Do you know what? He's not trying to impress anyone with, all, with the buzz cut going, yeah, I worked in Chesley Street. I used to chase children off the bandit machines. But like, I, my my only thing is, is like, look, if Arnie did work there, there'd be a picture of him. Surely, how bad is the market in this place? And this guy in the stag dude turned and goes, so he didn't work Sundays. <laughs> <laughs> all right, young, all right, you see he didn't work Sundays? That's just fucking fine. But yeah, huge, huge steroid town. So I'm super interested in it. And like they, they had to have lessons. We had like special guidance and welfare lessons where they would make a big deal about steroid abuse. And one of the things, which is an unfactual bit of uh, information, is they told all the lads as teenagers that steroid shrinks your dick. Whereas it doesn't. It's, it's 
it shrinks your testicles. The testosterone, it shrinks your testicles is the difference. Uh, but that's right. a very key difference. But when I was told that as a kid, I always just found hilarious going, who did they pull for that information? <laughs> like, if you just got all these bodybuilders that are taking the gas to get bigger because they're self-conscious or whatever about their size going, yeah, that used to be seven <laughs> inches before the steroids. <laughs> oh, so it's it's my drug overuse is the reason I've got small testes then. There, it is handy having small testes because I fell on one once and I ruptured it. So and it would have been much worse if they were massive right. if I if I had like apples as test testicles. But I don't. I've got like kind of just normal plums. I'm drawing it on the board for you here. We're good. We're good. We're all right there, Matt. I don't need a, a visual representative. But it's great that you mess up t- mentioned testicles because that brings us to what's the name um the Russian guy's name? His name is Grigory Rodchenko. And this guy this guy doesn't like wearing a T-shirt when he's on a Skype call. No, he does not, all right? And he, <laughs> he looks like... If Ramesh Ranganathan was a Russian scientist... Oh, yeah. Yeah, good shout. There's a bit in it where he, he shaves off his moustache. He looks like a different guy. It's hilarious, yeah, but we'll get to that. Yeah, later. yeah. He's just got the greatest way about him. He's so relaxing and... I think he's brilliant. Oh, so do I. He's just adorable. Brian phones him up. Oi, can you help me? And be, I want to become a drug cheat. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to need some information. Yeah, no worries. What, have you done it before? Of course I have. I'm the man. And he is, quite literally, the man. It's the first thing he says on the Skype call. Is that your dog? Show me your dog's balls. <laughs> <laughs> Show me your dog's balls. Is that why I've got testicles on my mind today? Yeah, yeah, you're right. And he's friends with that dog throughout the whole documentary. They keep filming oh, yeah, him yeah. and the dog. Yeah. So Grigory is like the scientist that creates Captain America for me. Yes. Like he is literally, he is he is the godfather of fucking anabolic steroids. He's been through the lot and he's and he's just the genius of it. And he's so confident of passing these tests. It's, it's unbelievable. So they show you, then they're, then they're spliced with how he talks about the Russian athletes that were do- doping. And it shows you footage of them. And there's one guy that does a long jump that almost makes his way out of the stadium. <laughs> it's fucking, it is fucking insane. <laughs> yeah, basically. So Brian says, can you help me? And Gregory's like, oh, mate. It was almost like he said, um, do, do you want to come on? A, do, we're going to go on a pub crawl. And Gregory had that sort of relaxed. Oh, yeah, sure. Come on. I'm your guy. Come on, we'll get a pub crawl going. Just just w- keep weeing. Keep freezing wearing it. Wearing a shirt in Russia. How is he not wearing a shirt in <laughs> Russia? <laughs> just sat there going, yeah, it's fine. I haven't felt the cold since 1972. <laughs> it, was, it was an experiment for the Moscow Olympics. <laughs> and his wife would keep coming in. His wife looked about 70 years old. And then it shows you his past. So he, he was a top-level athlete. Yeah. And he was on steroids, but he didn't get to the professional level. So then he went into the thing. But he even says his mother was giving him steroids. Yeah. So, yeah, Grigory's mum was injecting him, right? Because she wanted him to be, yeah, bigger and better, basically. Um, they said, he said to Brian, once you start your doping program, it will increase your performance by 15 to 20%. And three, yeah. three weeks later, He's like, how do you feel? And Brian's like, oh, yeah, I feel great. And he just, he, he says he feels so much stronger. But when he was injecting that stuff, I don't know, have I ever told you I had both my hips replaced? Uh, right. it, it hasn't came up. Right, okay. So 
when you do that, you do so much time sitting around. You have to inject yourself on a daily basis with blood thinners, right? Otherwise, you get um, you get blood clots. Deep vein. Um, yeah. Deep vein thrombosis, that sort of stuff, yeah. So every day I had to shove a needle in my stomach. And, in, and I detest stuff like that. And I used to... <laughs> I would always whimper quite a bit going, <laughs> and I couldn't get my missus to do it because I don't want her to be stabbing me with needles just in case, right? So, um, yeah, when he was injecting himself, he had exactly the same look on his face. He was terrified of the needle. He was like, oh, my God, what? I've got to put this in my ass. And he when, went, he yeah. it, when he's doing it in his thighs and it's um, it's, become, it's become like a test, it's become like a um, steroid lump he's getting in his thighs. Yeah. And he goes, no, you have to inject in the buttocks. It must go in the buttocks. And he's like, oh, man. oh, look, there's blood coming out. I've done it wrong. I've done it wrong. And he has to inject himself every day. What? And how long How long was that for? Is that like a... It's like a six-month cycle. The, the, right, the yeah. data to it is going to be difficult to keep on top of because, as I said, yeah, this yeah. is two very long documentaries of a lot of info. So he goes on the schedule and he's training like a beast. In there, he's got like the Drago fucking oxygen mask as he's doing the cycle, and yeah. he's got the tests and all stuff doing, and he's improving. He's improving. He's got. Well, he's got a personal he, trainer and everything, right? Who's a yeah. proper genuine, and he's paid for these people. Right, and they're all in on the. They're all in oh, on. Oh, there's know. a job I would love as well. By the way, what a fucking job! All right, keep peddling. What else are you fucking teaching someone? I, I imagine there is fucking nuances to put you to another level, but just to have someone going, don't stop you. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you have to say it in a motivational way. All right, okay. I need you to do that now in sixth gear. Wow, fucking. <laughs> You know what it's like? It's like when Homer Simpson gets the job working for, is it Scorpio? And he has to motivate his team. And he's like, can you work any harder? And they're like, yeah. yeah. And he goes, oh, okay then, go on then. And they're like, okay then, Mr. Homer. Wow, motivational boss. I increased productivity by 12%. <laughs> <laughs> but it's Tom Landry's hat. So then we meet a fella whose parents clearly had a sense of humour. I love them. I knew you'd bring this up because I know you love right. a funny name, but we this is, <laughs> this is getting the award, end of your award of what a fucking name for a what guy. A... And and the fact <laughs> that even nicknamed did that as well, because you, know, the... you know that was not his choice. That's, people refuse to call him anything other than this abbreviation. <laughs> his, name, his name is Richard Pound, but he is known as Dick Pound. Yeah, yeah, they even had Dick in fucking in, in quotation marks. Yes. And every time Dick Pound came up, I was laughing like a 12-year-old. It just proper, proper tickled me. That and is one of those linguistic things I've never understood. What, that his dad would name him that? No, 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 no. I understand that. I would do exactly that if I was in that <laughs> position. Uh, my, my thing is um, Dick being short for Richard. Oh, why is that? Be- because Rick is shorter and sounds more like it. So obviously that came up and plenty of people going, hey, do you know your name means dick, man? Plenty of fucking times. Um, and I just never... Hang on a second. Hang on. I, d- I don't know why I've never put this together. Is your name Richard? Yeah, Rick Wharton. Richard, yeah. What do you think I was called? <laughs> Rick? Yeah, well... I didn't know it was short for Richard. How? Oh, it's because you, because because Dick is what's in your mind short for Richard. Uh, well, no, Rick's a name, isn't it? Because you got Rick from uh, Casablanca. Do you know? Um, 
I've told you how I got named with my dad spinning the wheel <laughs> yes, on what yeah. the nurse's kid was. <laughs> what's your, you know, what's your you know kid's name? I, That'll do. Do you know how it became Rick? Yeah, no. Casablanca? Oh, yeah, yeah. When I was fucking six, I was watching on all the gin well, bars. your mum? I'm thinking fucking... of your mum. No, 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 nothing like that. Basically, I hated writing at school. And in the first year of school, you basically learn how to write your name. So I was just like, well, Rick will do. And I just shortened to that so it was less writing. Oh, wow. And it doesn't have a K on it because that's how Rick Flair spelt his name on the um, computer games. Oh, okay. All right. I've only got one T in my mat because my brother was a two T. My stepbrother was a two T mat. Um, right. Anyway, the T. Jesus, that's that's good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so he was called Dick Pound, which is brilliant, and he gives us a great quote: "Ninety nine percent of Russian athletes are guilty of doping," and that is something right now. And the reason they're guilty of doping is because Grigory is the king of doping and beating doping tests because he's then outed by a German documentary and they went through how he beat the Olympic system. So Fogel's working with uh, Grigory and he goes, oh, it's all going a bit wrong, Brian, because the German documentary is outing him. And that's why he first comes to the States because he, there he is does not, a runner. Yeah, there is not a better accent than a relaxed Russian accent. We have problem. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is big problem. <laughs> the Germans are so angry that they're not winning any of these medals because they've always been high up in the medal table. It's basically it's a it's how a a country does a dick measuring contest, isn't it? How many medals did you get at the Olympics? Oh, we got this many medals. See, maybe it's in the past. But for me, I've never had ah, 12 medals next to your 11, Moldova. Unlucky. <laughs> never. It's just something to watch the Olympics. I, I, It's nice if one of ours wins, but it's about the athleticism. Who gives a... F- I, I, you know what no, I mean? It's I'm the, not, no, from a country's point of view, it's not, is it? Do, from do you know dictators' what, countries, they take pride in that. Here's the difference between the pair of us. The Cold War was still going on when I was a kid. Right. So I, I genuinely we, we, I was terrified growing up about a nuclear bomb going off because that was still a possibility. Whereas you're you're born 15 years later. You're like, oh, that's all sorted. They fixed all of that stuff. Just wait. Give this a year. There'll be a vote and 48 percent of people will vote to fucking nuke fucking Durham. <laughs> so, <laughs> because there's too many foreigners using the free health care that they don't want anymore. Right. So, right. Get back on track. So. Let's go back to... So, yeah, Grigory is outed. Let's take it from there. So, Grigory is outed by a German documentary. Um, And by this stage, Brian has been doping for five months. Yeah, because it feels like not a whole heap's happened. There's a lot of talking and Skype interviews that are very interesting. But the majority of the first hour is a balding man pissing into a salad bag. Brian goes to Moscow, as he calls it. And yeah, he meets him and we're 40, 40, 50 minutes into the documentary. And you're right. Nothing's happened. He's trying to cheat this. There's another documentary mentioned. What's going on? And this is the thing. I was just like at this side of the documentary, if only it wasn't cycling. Like you could take, I, I would love it if that was a Sunday league footballer 
and all of a sudden he's got 10 goals last season. He's banged in 58 this season, <laughs> right? A UFC fighter. He's, he's, you know, he's amateur, but all of a sudden he's chucking people out of the cage like the he's Incredible free Hulk. at a time. Yeah, come on, Instead, lads. Instead, it's a wiry cyclist. Oh, that's the only reason I was still interested. Who stops being a cyclist halfway through the documentary and just becomes a documenteur because he finds a subject yeah. far more interesting than himself. Yeah, he does. So Dick Pound, great name, Dick Pound confirmed that the allegations from the German, the German documentary are true and that the Russian Federation is going to be suspended. So Grigory is fired from the World Anti-Doping Agency and he's Russia's main guy for that. And they said it's due to state-sponsored doping and that Russia could miss all the Olympics for the following year. And then suddenly the documentary starts changing because then you start seeing what the documentary is really about. And well, I reckon they probably could have cut that first 50 minutes. They could have done that in 10 I, minutes. I think it's a good red heron, to be honest. They could have cut a lot. And again, because it's difficult to talk about because it jumps backwards and forwards between the, yeah. the, the problem with Russia to Brian Fogel. But the Brian Fogel stuff, like, um, so he does day one of that competition, does great, much better than last year. He's in, like, the top couple of performers. Day two, he has a problem with his fucking gears, so he drops 10 places. Yeah. And then, and then, so then that's kind of a moot point. But I thought if he was on the best steroids, right, it would have been great if his gears fucked up, so he just picks up the bike and runs past everyone. <laughs> yeah. But he finished, <laughs> um, he finished 29th place. So yeah, so that kind of fizzles out. He he said, you know, you need to do it. It's it's not just doping that you need to do. There's also a lot more work you've got to do. No, no, he says it's the level of doping. So he says you are at the reception level of doping. You need to come to the first floor and then the second floor. So what he's saying is like, so it's the first cycle. Yeah. Ah, oh, okay. I missed that. I, I thought he just didn't work hard enough. No. No. Oh, clearly. No, yeah, you're right, actually. Thank you. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Basically, he had to do a good few he more years. by 20% in all of his stats. He was 20% across the board better at what he was doing. Yeah, and then if he would have carried on for another year of doping, he would have increased another 20%, and that's yep. how you get great. Yeah, okay. And then they, he says they, uh, they're trying to interview people in Russia about the doping, and they said, yeah, no, no one in Russia wants to talk. No shit, really? <laughs> yeah. Because of the gulag. Could it be because of the gulag? Yeah. It's about 19 times I could use this analogy, but at this point, I'm getting flashbacks from Casino. Do you know the end of Casino going, it doesn't sound cool, but you know how these old guys are like, they don't like any witnesses. <laughs> <laughs> All these guys could end up getting waxed. You could imagine Khrushchev, <laughs> uh, do you know the guy who runs off to Costa Rica and he just gets blown, uh, brains blown out at the end of uh, Casino? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just imagine all that happening because this is really serious. And when you start getting close to something that makes Putin look embarrassed, that yeah. is when you're about to fucking die. Like that guy has no mercy. You know who Putin reminded me of? Because you keep seeing Putin, Zuckerberg. They have that same dead look about them. I don't know if I've mentioned that on one of these episodes before, but they look, they both look quite robotic and, and quite... You'll see no emotion in either of their faces. No emotion at all, right? And they'll put that fake little smile on and they'll they'll try and show you a little bit of the human. But I don't think there is any human. I think they're, I think they're, um, they're Terminators. That's what they could be. 
right? And they're just waiting for their orders to to kick in at a certain moment in time, and then whammo, we're all done. I'll tell for. you what. If Putin isn't a Terminator, he is going to be the cause of the Terminators rising because that is what he's building within his, within his Olympic team. Oh, like God, they yeah. are all part of a state-sponsored doping and the way they did it, they get into it's fucking fascinating and complicated at the same time. It, and it's terrifying, isn't it? They want to remove Gregory. Well, they, he gets fired, right? Gregory is fired. Uh, and well, he said he's fired, but he's, he's actually he's not. The, the Minister of Sport in Russia says he resigned. And Grigory's like, I've been fired. But he gets taken into a room because Mutko is the guy who's like his go-between yeah. between Putin. and he, Mutko takes him into a room and says, can you resign? I said, yes, I can resign. Like, <laughs> how, how quickly is he complying? He knows exactly what's up for grabs. I can resign. Yeah. <laughs> can you do it today? I'll do it immediately. Fine. And he gets, Grigory gets proper paranoid. He's like, people are watching me. And he phones up Brian and he's like, it's going terrible here, Brian. I don't know what to do. And did you see, um, did you see our British guy? Sebastian Coe. Do you know why I don't like Sebastian Coe? Why is that? Sebastian Coe won us the Olympics. The Olympics led to the building of a thing called the Olympic Stadium, which my football club now rent and they gave up our home for 120 odd years to go into Olympic Stadium and the football in there is terrible. So, Sebastian Coe, if you're listening, thanks, mate. You destroyed football for me. Thanks, man. But well done. What a legacy you created. Well done. Hope, you, hope you're proud of yourself. And another thing, Sebastian Coe, if that's your real name. Grigory is getting proper paranoid. He speaks to Brian about leaving his wife and kids in Russia. He flees to America. No, there's a great quote. There's a great quote because this is building slowly in real time. So now Brian has a fucking monster of a documentary on his hands. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So he's got this guy who's helping him. And you can see the paranoid look on his face as well. He's like, what? You're being followed? Brian is like, oh my God, this is this spy shit is real. This The state is watching you and the state can affect your life. What have I done? Because uh, Brian goes, are you in danger? He says, I am in danger, but not jail. <laughs> they're not going to put me in jail they're going to fucking kill me is what they're going to yes. do and it's real right and as much as you might think it's all from a John le Carre spy novel it's not they kill people um, so Grigory once he flees from Russia he gives him codes if I say what's the weather like in LA yeah. that means I'm leaving in 15 minutes time yeah and he legs it man he proper legs it he says um Brian then sits Grigory down. He said, look, I need to interview you to ask you some genuine questions here. Let's get this on tape. And one of them, he said, OK, so Russia won 81 medals. How many of those athletes were doping at London 2012? And Grigory replies, half. Half of those athletes from Russia were doping. Well, I've told you before, they've they've recently been caught out for the last World Cup. And it was like, there was players that I've seen and watched their stats grow on computer games and stuff like that. And I'm like, there's no way, A, they should be winning this match. And B, on the 112th minute, being able to fucking sprint that quickly up and down the park. Yeah. Like, some of them got big money moves to teams like Monaco and stuff like that. There's a Golovin that was almost in contention for the Golden Boot or the Golden... Really? It's the one that Modric won. So it's not right, the top okay. goal scorer. Yeah, yeah. It's the other one, like the best player. And there was play- people that are like in contention and they're like four million pound midfielders that are 
for some reason able to play themselves like this. And it's yeah, it's exactly they were all doped to the fucking gills. Yeah, it's Ivan Drago, isn't it? Rocky Four. Yeah. There's a great quote from Dick Pound. Why would I watch an event that was fixed? Well, the Tour de France is one of the most watched sporting events on the planet. And that's been doped for decades. I'd like to see the stats on that. Oh, you don't reckon? Well, you reckon the Tour de France is not one of the most watched? I think it's one of the most famous. I wouldn't say it's one of the most actively engaged with and watched. Oh, I think it is. It's massive. It's huge. Because because if it was that big, they wouldn't have needed Armstrong so much. Armstrong was the superstar they needed, and that's why everyone kind of kept their no, mouth shut about be- him. Before Armstrong, there was Enduran. The Armstrong was only big from a... He was an American. Before that, there was... Lo- Tour de France is massive, man. Name, I tell you what, drop some names. I'll let you know if I've heard of them before. Enduran. Fortunately not. Right. <laughs> Bradley Wiggins. Wiggins rings a bell. Okay. Chris Boardman. I, I'm a mate of his son. What? Yeah, 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 yeah. Junior Boardman. No, uh, yeah, the lad I went to uni with he was in the year below me. Used to do some writing stuff together. Oh, Scouts. Wh- it really? Okay, there you mm-hmm. go. He's got his own. Okay, well there you go. That's how big. Listen, that's how big cycling is, Rick. But I know his son. That's how big it is. Yeah, that's how, that's how big that is. I win that argument. Yeah. <laughs> the defense rests, Your Honor. Cycling <laughs> is a winner. <laughs> Can these people walk down the street without being bothered? I think so. I think Bradley Wiggins will probably struggle. Yeah. Has he got bad heart these days after all the cycling? <laughs> well, he got, yeah, he was alleged as well, wasn't he? Everyone in cycling's had the, the thing thrown at them. That's weird you took that name out there, actually. Because, uh, yeah, yeah, I've, I've spent a lot of time with um, Ed, a good lad. Ed Boardman. Okay, good. Oh, let's get him on the show. What, we should have had him on for this. We'll, we'll, I'll nah, tell you what, nah, we'll do... Um, what's he going to talk about? My dad was really good at peddling. <laughs> His cadence numbers were incredible. What about the time he kept on peddling? Yeah, that was really interesting, yeah. He never had a problem with gears. Um, Tonight, Scouster got a lot of problem with gear up there. <laughs> and here's what really starts scaring Brian. And Brian realises he's in the shit now. Because... Grigory admits he started, you know, supplying steroids to Russian athletes because, you know, he wanted them to be good. And then you cut to Grigory in February 2016, watching the telly and a news article comes on. Nikita Kamev dies of a heart attack aged 52. And he was like Grigory's sort of right hand man. They worked together. New in school. They'd, they'd grown up together, right? Um, and this is two months after they both were resigned this is what's brilliant all right this is the difference between a great documentary and a great movie you were looking at someone who is essentially defected from a dictator that has spies that does execute people in other countries yeah and the person in his like sister position like what would you say parallel position to him within yeah the organization that's crumbling right now has clearly been assassinated yes and you catch his reaction in real time as yeah. he sees that on tv and that is like nuances to human emotion you just will not see in a movie yes it is brutal it is absolutely brutal and you're genuinely you're genuinely scared for him the tension raises straight away from that but did you notice what i think they had going on with the non-diegetic music so diegetic music is if he was listening to a stereo in the room 
and that came across on camera, that would be considered a diegetic music. Him talking okay, is diegetic right. sound. Right. Non-diegetic is what's edited in. Right, now, okay, all right. So non-diegetically, they had like a heart monitor faintly in the background throughout all these scenes. And it's, it I just did not notice suddenly, that. Now, I may be wrong. There might have been a van backing up my street, but I had to pause <laughs> it. I had to pause it, and I'm like, there's a beeping. I thought my fridge was left open. You know, if you leave your fridge open, it beeps a little bit and shit like that. Just to let you know you left the fridge door open. That's what my fridge does, obviously. Yeah, no, my fridge does that. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I paused the documentary trying to listen to follow that, but no, it was part of the documentary. There's a little little fucking subtle beep and just raises the tension as it's going. Because it is just like an overweight guy with a lazy eye with his shirt off walking around all the time. It doesn't yeah. seem that tense when you go that beep, beep, beep as it's happening. Oh, that's fascinating. I, I, that once happened to me, right? I was sitting there. I'd spent the day getting stoned and I was sitting there watching, I think it was Lethal Weapon 2. And I was on my own in my flat and I heard, as they're doing a shootout, I heard the police say, put down the guns. And I'm like, that's God, that sound effects is incredible. And then it cut to a talking scene and that is happening outside my flat window. (laughs) So I've opened the balcony door and I'm on like the fifth floor and I've looked out. There must be 20 old Bill there, all with guns pointing them at this guy who is standing by my little red sports car, right, with a gun. And I'm like, shit, a copper screams up at me, get a fuck inside. Okay. And because I've been smoking weed all day, I'm so paranoid Shut the door, jump on. No, I wetted a towel, put that by the front door in case any of the smoke was coming out. Because I'm thinking the police are going to come up and interview me. And basically, it was at the time, it was it was Britain's largest heroin deal that they'd stopped happening. And the geezer's gun had scratched the side of my sports car. Oh, no way. On the upside, he got about 24 years. So... Don't fuck with I my do- car is what I'm saying. I thought you were going to say you flush the stuff and your missus comes back and you're like uh, Henry Hill's miss- <laughs> missus in fucking thing. We needed that, Matt. They would never have found it. I was so paranoid. Honest, I sat there for about three hours on the floor, curled up in a ball going, oh my God, they're going to nick me. They're going to nick me. They're going to nick me. Because at the time um, I didn't know it was a heroin deal. I saw one of the most fascinating stories was a drug bust by the police. So they, they break in, there's these French drug dealers, classes, and the pit bull goes for them. All right. And it took six shotgun shots <gasps> to take down the pit bull. It like tortured like four police officers, and they're just sat there fucking laughing, going, I told you not to open that door. But <laughs> the idea, if you imagine your working life, like day to day in any mundane job, the time you've shot. A dog three times with a shotgun, <laughs> and it's still coming towards day. you. <laughs> Fucking hell! You'd be freaking. You'd like the gun going. <laughs> Just the idea that it's still coming towards you. Like I've never under. I never knew that. I know they're like heads are like foot, American football helmets and stuff like that. But yeah, it took like four shotgun blasts to take this fucking pit bull down. Because we believe that the gun stops everything, right? I remember a bloke I used to work with. He fell into a uh, in when he was in Iraq. He fell into a, a pig pen basically, and the boar came at him. And he said that boar would have killed me. This thing was huge, and basically he pulled out his gun and he fired it into the boar's head. 
And he said, and the bullet basically ricocheted off its skull. And this really pissed the ball off, the bore off. So he had to crawl out. And he was so, he was so angry because the <laughs> ball went for him. And he goes, and all the Iraqi men were laughing at him. And he goes, the problem over there is if you're a squaddy, you cannot lose face. It's really important. So you have to grow a moustache, uh, lie that you have children, and you can't lose face. Otherwise, like your respect is gone. He then gets his gets someone's machine gun, gets back in there and machine guns this poor pig to death. And he goes, oh, that's brutal. oh, all the British guys. He goes that night. Yeah, we all let pork. But the Iraqi guys were like, oh, well done. Yeah, yeah. He goes, it was a, it, it was, it's all about respect, man, and face. That's just that first instance when like a bullet to the head doesn't work. <laughs> that, that, it's that one moment of panic in the yeah. guy that to me is fucking, it's oh the- my God. <laughs> He's looking at the gun and go, what? what is this? And this thing's... He's like, oh, this is going to kill me. Right, this ain't going to happen. Um, so anyway... You know the guy that I told you at the beginning, the guy who got into cycling, who's the bodybuilder? Yes. One of my only fights in school. Uh, oh, with the big mate. fella? Yeah, but I mean, we're going back to like the age 10, 11, primary right. school. And we'll be best mates, but we'll fall out a few times. And I was a little shitty kid. Only last fight I ever had. So we tussle. I trip him. I don't push him over. I trip him. I got my foot behind him. Right, he's beat the shit out of us in a fight a few times by this point. And uh, I went, right, I need to... Oh, you don't back down then. You carry on going. I mean, you've you've lost to him before, but you still get in the ring with him. I don't. I tell you the part of the story I remember very vividly. All right, because that's coming up. But yeah, we had a few times. We we're like best friends, but if we fell out, we fell out. Yes, and, yeah, yeah. And I was a little, you know, I'd be smart mouth caused myself fucking <laughs> problems, but I couldn't back up. I, I am aware of your manner, Rick. Yes. Okay. <laughs> So, like, on this one, like, due to the hill we were on or whatever, I, I pushed him, tripped him, and I thought, if he gets back up, I'm dead. So I stamped on his face with my heel, <gasps> and I'll never forget, I lifted my shoe up, and his facial expression hadn't changed. I'd lost the fight at that moment. There was just a, there was just a shoe print of, like, me feelers, the white, white feelers shoes, but there was just a muddy footprint on his face, and his facial expression didn't change, and he rose like the fucking Terminator. <laughs> and just, I, I, I'll never forget that first stomach punch, and I was just getting, do you know, like, I was just getting risen up from the ground, like when Rocky's doing the body punches on Drago. <laughs> Did he whisper in your ear, go down, kid, go down. <laughs> Don't make me hurt like, you, Rick. And because he didn't want to fight, because like he wanted to, like it, we were friends. But I, for some reason, like I was persistent. This was going to happen, and I learned a very valuable fucking lesson that day. But the idea that at the age of eleven, I like, I was just like, what eleven year old can have their face stamped on and don't even blink? I was just like, oh my fucking god. Yeah, never forget <laughs> it. A teacher came out and had to stop it. Like um, there was a note whenever we we moved up a year, so that was like year four or five. We were had to be because they were that worried that they, the whopping that I took, they were just like these people can't be like on the same side of the classroom. And we're best mates like the day after, two days after. But, yeah, yeah, that's the beauty yeah. of when you're that age, right? You're, yeah, your boys are that age. You bounce back, but that didn't happen to poor old Grigory because his best mate from school, he gets offed. Yeah. He gets offed yeah, by the Russians, offed. or maybe Rick, because you know the documentary needs to create the drama. Maybe he did just genuinely have a heart attack. At the- Are you really going to be pedantic on this one? Are I'm you going to say Putin <laughs> didn't fucking have a mix? No, I'm saying because 52-year-olds do have heart attacks. So maybe it was just a convenient thing. Maybe, Rick. What about if Brian did it? Brian Fogel got him off and went, 
Come on, this would make a much better documentary if we off this guy's mate. You don't know, do you? No. You don't know. Yeah, we do. We do. We've got a very good fucking idea that we do. Listen, Rick, I think it's really important that we don't piss off Putin. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you if know this guy's history. If, if he's viewer number 14, <laughs> I tell you what, I will be. You're stuck with us through Barkley Marathon. You enjoy chicken people. All right. Just, just yeah, I'd be fucking bemused. Now, Although we are, after watching The Social Dilemma, I do want to start using the same kind of marketing techniques that Putin uses because they're fascinating. Oh, yeah, that's good numbers he's going to get. Um, so Grigory is freaked out, and he's not just freaked out. He's grief-stricken, right? So he's paranoid. He's grief-stricken. He's left his wife. He's left his kids. He's on the lam in America. They decide to hire him, uh, sorry, hide him, and then he gets a subpoena and he needs to appear in front of a grand jury. See, unfortunately, due to his accent, you didn't realize like that story of him getting the subpoena was actually that should have been a whole part itself. So this guy, like, so he's on the run. He KGB's involved or FSB is now known FSB as FSB was the KGB. Yeah, yeah, and uh, he knows exactly their tactics, the stuff they do. He looks out. There's people hanging out the courtyard. They come and knock on the door. They want to talk to him. They know all the names of the people and what he does. And he says, at this point, my nerves are exhausted. And then they then they give me a subpoena. I'm like, oh, thank fuck. These guys are the Americans. <laughs> yeah. They're just going to arrest me. I'm not being dragged off and having me toes cut off. <laughs> yeah. I think he was just pleased, wasn't he, to get, to get the oh, subpoena. God, yeah. So they go to a lawyer. And very suspiciously, that lawyer has got his face blurred out and his voice modulated. And you're like, that's, that's a weird choice. Well, you know where that is? Because the first lawyer they go to, um, and I'm going to jump forward a little bit here. Basically, he then later withdraws because... They have a Moscow office. Because they had a Moscow office, therefore they had a conflict of interest. So he withdraws his support and for his permission to be used, I can assume. And that's why I'm guessing they gave him the Stephen Hawking robot voice and they, they yeah. blurred out his face. Um, I didn't know really oh, what... interesting I'm... thing that I found out the other day. Yeah. Do you know the Jeffrey Epstein pedophile to the stars? I don't, but I, I'm, I know I've got a lot of reading to do. Yeah. Okay, so he's the one who used to fly everyone to his island to bang a 15-year-old. Uh, Stephen Hawking has travelled with him 11 times on the jet. Okay, but again, right, let me watch the documentary before you sully the, sully the waters, because I know how sucked <laughs> in you get by a good documentary maker. That's very true. That's very true. <laughs> um, So he gets this subpoena, and he has to appear in front of a grand jury. Now... I've heard the term grand jury a lot. I didn't actually know what a grand jury was. So basically, all it is, it's a collection of people who are grouped together. It's like a jury of high-ranking officials. Yeah, and they get to ask questions to see whether there should be a trial. And is there, you know, is there? does probable cause exist to believe that a crime has been committed? And if... And they've also... The grand jury have got investigative powers... So they can they can issue a subpoena a subpoena to compel people to testify or to hand over documentation relating to the case. So you get called in front of a grand jury, that genuinely is that's a big deal, right? Yeah. You're you're in trouble. Because I would consider myself my history of jury service. I've been on a very dumb jury. That's <laughs> what I was on. <laughs> I was on the six quid jury. We couldn't get up to the grand jury. That wasn't going to happen. We were on the shell stack as one of two weeks off work jury is what I was on. 
Um, Grigory then gives evidence to the New York Times and the grand jury proving that doping and it started when Russia was awarded the 2014 games oh, in sorry. 2007. We've missed one bit about his mate that died. Oh, right. Yeah. Quote. So he says he wrote a book. It's very dangerous to write book in Russia. <laughs> so he yeah. was writing a book about everything that happened. And then all of a sudden, then he has the heart attack. And oh, probably nerves are what the editors thought, yeah. Well, peppered throughout the documentary, uh, Grigory, when it all cuts over to Gregory, so like about 50 minutes in, he starts reading excerpts from George Orwell's 1984. Because yeah. the, 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 opening, the opening scene of the documentary actually is a George Orwell quote, and it says, During times of universal deceit, telling the truth becomes a revolutionary act. And then you hear Grigory reading 1984. And he said he didn't read it until he was about 38 years old. And it cuts to how in 1984, the novel, how they make you believe the lie that they've created. And, you know, you go through the acceptance stage and then the believing stage. It's, it's fucking terrifying. Have you read 1984? Yeah. Is that one of your four books? No, nah. no, nah, unfortunately not. Have you seen the film? I didn't know there was a movie. <laughs> Sometimes, Rick. <laughs> I've, I've, I've got a funny one. I, I have read an Orwell book, though. Okay, Animal Farm. Yeah, so when we went into the year that they put you into sets for your English class, going into your GCSEs, that's like year 10. Right. From year 9 to year 10, you get divided up between your intelligence. Okay. And unfortunately, we had uh, an English teacher that passed away. Um Really good guy, really good teacher. It was uh, altitude poisoning when he went trekking around Nepal. Was it, or was he uh, a friend young. of Putin? It could have been, could have been Putin. Could have been. You don't know. But um, so the new teacher that came in didn't know what sets to put people in, so they just literally went around the class and asked, "What books have you read?" And then when it got to me, I went, "Oh, I've just watched. I've just read um, Animal Farm." He went, "Oh, about the Russian Revolution." I went, "Nah, this one was about talking pigs." <laughs> 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 I was on the fa- I was in the foundation paper, but it was worth it for the laugh. <laughs> Wait, I think that we've so we're on episode twenty-five. We've uncovered two of your books. Okay, we're just going to carry on. We'll get the other two. It will just happen over time. <laughs> um, <laughs> Spoiler alert, they're, they're inextricably linked to Newcastle United. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he gives evidence and basically he just, he explains how he did it. And it was it was just the old switcheroo. Oh, I know, but they showed that their testing labs, they had a KGB lab next to the testing lab. Yeah. And then they had a plug socket that would switch the piss <laughs> in and out of. It's like Ocean's Eleven. It is brilliant. It is KGB Ocean's Eleven, but yeah. instead of money, they're exchanging piss. And because uh, they were they were collecting wee from people for yeah. seven years, so they had enough samples to go around, right? Yeah, and it was so simple. Basically, they they tricked the entire. Um, this is something that stuck with me. So it was showing you all the people that um, doped, and one of them was the bobsleigh team. And I just thought... Well, if, did, did they show you the people who doped or did they just keep cutting to certain sports? Well, if they were showing you a Russian, they were showing you people that doped, all right, is the way I kind of yeah, measured okay. it. Yeah, yeah. But the bobsleigh team just doesn't seem like a sport where it was necessary. It's fascinating. Do you know what I mean? 
Have you not seen Cool Runnings? Exactly. You're in. You're you're on a slide. You can't slide. <laughs> it's not your calf muscles that make Mate, you slide. I guess the beginning, the push-off bit, mebbies. Yeah, the guys in Cool Runnings were incredibly fit. Yeah, they're actors. No, in real life. I always just thought the bobsleigh. You could just get the heaviest blokes in town, then you're going down the hill quicker. No, it doesn't work like that. It's uh, there's science involved, and you need to be fit. Yeah, but like a brick drops quicker than a feather. Like, no, it doesn't. Does it not? No. Am I being an idiot here? Well, no, it's terminal velocity. So it gets to a certain speed and then that's it. That's its skydiving thing. Yeah. Oh, right. right Don't quote right. me on this. I have, uh, yeah, but that's my understanding. Well, tr- trust me, me, uh, me uh, mixing cool runnings with Forrest Gump's feather is not is not a scientific <laughs> analogy we need during this documentary because there is so much in-depth that it's just too much to skirt over. But basically, they cheated like bastards throughout and had a fascinating way of doing it, particularly because... They did. Because they didn't... Because he's got the way that he's getting Brian Fogel to do it to beat the piss tests. But he's like, no, we need the very best. So we're just going to do it because I think you cycle off just before the test. or Yeah, when you... yeah, yeah. So that's why sports like UFC, um, they, they it's random to test. So they you don't know when they're coming to. They can test you at any point. Yeah, you see that in the uh, Lance Armstrong film as well. They'll just turn up any time to test you. Mm. They can turn up at your house and go, all right, we need a test. There's a wrestler, because when WWE had a big steroid problem, there was a wrestler that got fired for the way he treated the WADA commission board. Because basically, they turned up, and, and like he's annoyed, he's got his newborn baby crying, and he's got this stranger turn up outside his house and has to watch him piss. So he's just basically cool. I think it was MVP, just like a cool, cool wrestler. And he just turned up, motherfucker, is this what you wanted to do? Watch people piss for a living? You should be ashamed of yourself. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, that, and that became a big problem, so he got fucking fired for a bit. But what they did, right, so to make sure there was no tampering with the urine, they invented an untamperable bottle. Which the Russians then made a tampering bottle machine that somehow got around it. I didn't understand how they did that. He just did a he just did an impression of clicking it off and putting it back on again. Yeah, and he goes, "Well, you know." Um, but in that competition, I, I don't know if you saw this. So, in the opening ceremony of the twenty four Olympics, the Russians had on their jackets Bosco. Did you see that? And mm. do you know what? Do you know what Bosco is? The reference. I just assumed they spelt Moscow wrong. All oh, right. Uh, Oh, yeah, good point. Yeah, yeah. But no, all I saw was Bosco, and I just went, ah, that's George Costanza from Seinfeld. That's his pin code. Oh, really? Yeah, Bosco! No! During the Olympics, my da- I, mean, I think it was my dad who was telling us, there's, there's basically someone's job is to stand there and make sure they don't have any logos on them they're not supposed to have. Yes. Because the sponsorship is such a big thing, so you have to check every fucking part of the athlete and stuff like that. Well, Michael Jordan, the way he got around hiding his sponsor, didn't he? Because he draped the American flag. Because he didn't want their sponsorship, yeah, Reebok. Yeah, yeah, which was just brilliant. That, yeah. Basically, don't fuck with Jordan. That's the that, There's that's no the one more there. competitive. Yes. If we were to say, Michael Jordan... We can do a better podcast than you. He'll be there the next day <laughs> dunking on us with his podcast numbers. Yeah, Jordan, see if you could do a better documentary podcast. Come on, son. I challenge you. Let, let's see how that goes he's, down. He's already beat us. He's already beat <laughs> us. It's done. That's like that's like trying a long jump next to a Russian. It's just you're not going to get it. If I met Michael Jordan, I'd keep asking him if he could introduce me to Scotty Pippen. I think that's all I'd want to know. That's, no, uh, this, is, this is how psychotic I am, right? I'd want to befriend him. 
So what I'd do is I'd be like, I bet you 200 pounds I could beat you at golf. Then I get 18 holes of Jordan. You're dominating. <laughs> what was at golf? But you better believe he's there the next day for his Kangol hat with his fucking golf clubs. Penny up the wall, mate. That's all you can beat. That's all you could pitch beat him to at. us. Well, no, because I want the time with him. But I'd be. Oh, int- okay. I- right. I'd love to play pitch with him. I used to play that. I used to lose so much dinner money through school playing that. Well, penny up the wall. Yeah, yeah. So you chuck your quid nearest to the wall, and yeah. then you'd shake it. If you're the closest, as you chuck them up in the air, call heads or tails, whichever one's lands on heads, you keep the money. Yeah, yeah. We didn't do that. It was whoever's coin got closest to the wall. You, you clear. No, we liked an extra element of gambling. With it. <laughs> the stuff kids will do. So Russia win 33 medals and 13 of them were gold. Putin's approval rating skyrocketed. So then he started the war with Ukraine. That was an interesting connection, wasn't it? Because he yes. said, I felt guilty because the very next day he invaded Ukraine. Like he's on some kind of adrenaline high and just saw and goes, take that. That's how it is now. Yeah. Because it was always on the cards, but he needed his approval rating to be high enough to, to get away with it. But the thing is, in Russia, Putin's approval rating has never dropped because he makes the numbers. Oh, he's uh, he's the Finnish education board. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I, I, I'm saying like Putin is... They, it's hilarious they have an election. Yeah. I don't think we want to mess with Putin. I'm just going to say that again. Uh, Vlad, uh, I'm well, loving, I'm loving what, I'm some gigging- of your work. I'm not gigging in Salisbury anytime soon. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> They'll find you, Rick. Like they, they can make it to our studio, mate. I'm telling you. Um, what happened then? So the the U.S. Department of Justice they launch an investigation into the ro- Russian doping allegations, and that is following Grigory's uh, interview with the New York Times. Again, the journalists here were, you know, they they pushed an agenda, and they they got it done. Because they were connecting with Brian, they, as much as you knock journalists, and they, I think they get a bit of a bad press. <laughs> um, they do some incredible stuff. Oh yeah, without a doubt. Uh, but the, the thing is, tensions constantly rising because initially he's going into a cooperation deal, and then they take that deal off the table for Gregory, and they're just going to prosecute him, and then he's basically just flat out said like, oh. What's the light? We've they've released the New York Times interview, and he's like, "I'm reading the article. It's brilliant. It's brilliant." And he goes, "I'll stop you right there, Gregory. The lawyers aren't returning our phone calls." <laughs> <laughs> and he just stops. And you see him looking out of a window, and again, the shoulder slump when he just says, "Putin will kill me." Yeah, because they go into his past quickly because he got slung into a mental institution when they oh, first that's got right. the course yeah, yeah. of cheating. So, so this is like, the story goes back and forth. So like Grigory's story is like they got caught initially for doping or, yeah. or suspected of it. They were go- They rang him, said they were going to arrest him. He goes in the bath and he does a Godfather too. He tries to kill himself. He does, yeah, yeah. Um, his wife finds him, gets him to a, like, a hospital. They save him, very good surgeon. Um. And then he gets, they see he's depressed. They put him in a mental institution. Then he's on a bunch of like medication that keeps him like off the reservation. Like he's absolutely out of his mind in this mental institution. Yeah. They then move him to a mental institution for the criminally insane. So it's like Arkham Asylum for Russia. They give him a computer and he's still running the the doping scandal from inside the (laughs) mental institution. That is mental. And the way they let him out is the British. Water office invites him to Britain 
And they say they only want Grigory because that's the guy who's in charge of the Russian one on paper currently. Yeah. Uh, and they won't have anyone else. So they say, this is your chance to redeem yourself and let him out of the like the prison that he was basically yeah. being um, Randall Murphy'd into. He was never going to be let out of. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Good good reference. And then so that's how he comes back out. And he, that's, um, yeah. So absolutely fascinating. So start using his mental health to kind of slander him and impress quickly. Here's the weird thing, right? So the sports minister is being interviewed about the doping claims and said, listen, the doping scandal was a solo act by Grigory. Well, yeah. that's a hell of a claim, isn't it? Well, so Grigory fixed all of the tests, did he? That was Mutko, the guy. And his quote about Mutko after his friend dies, he goes, this will be Mutko. He's ex-KGB. He'll kill everyone. He has no morals. And you see him being interviewed on TV by an interviewer who's asking softball questions in Russia. The Russians are all terrifying to me. And as a documentary, you know tension's rising because they had cutscenes of birds migrating against the autumn sky. So you know, <laughs> you know some shit's happening. Everything's going down now. The bleakness of humanity is birds can migrating. Shit is going down. Um, Russia track and field teams, they're banned from Rio, right, following Grigory's evidence. And then a guy called Professor McLaren... He finds evidence because he runs the program to see were Russia cheating. And he says that 100% of the urine bottles examined had been tampered with. And he cites Putin and downwards, including the KGB. Now, I, I, that claim is a bit weird, isn't it? 100% of urine bottles examined. Well, if they would have tested two, I'd, that just seemed I'll a bit off. What, the odds... The, and to be honest, if you got all the all the urine, you'd test it all. Yeah, I just you're not gonna be like, oh, I'll pick three, and if they're fine, it's all fine. I can't be bothered. So you reckon they tested all of them to see if they I, I, I reckon they uh, see if they have two hundred. They they tested fifteen and went, yeah, okay. all these are yeah, yeah. all these all are right. the same color as the Incredible Hulk jizz. This is not fucking street legal. Well, off the back of that, right, the uh, World Anti-Doping Agency, two weeks before the Olympics, recommends that all Russian athletes are banned from the Rio Games. Now, that is huge, right? Did, did you see the clip of what Putin said? Then this is what... I mean, when you put yourself in this situation with a historical context of what Putin does to people who uh, make him look bad, when Putin is on TV going... I do not even remember the name of the defector who did all the doping scandal. When you see Putin saying that, you must be like, my wife and kids are going to die quickly. Like, Well, because <laughs> this proper cracks me up. So Grigory's doing a Skype call with his wife and he says to her, oh, have you got new glasses? And she says, oh, yeah, well, they're not that new. I've had them for a while. And he goes, oh, that's interesting. I have some sad news, my dear. I'm going into witness protection program. <laughs> that <laughs> Skype chat, again, is as just, real as it gets. Do you know what I mean? He like, just it in. It's incredible. And his wife says, I, I beg your pardon? We were talking about my glasses and you're going into the witness protection program. What? What? What is they, that? They don't know about visas for getting them out. Are they going to go, come after them? Which they do. Um, it tells you in the end, but the tension is just raising and raising oh, God, the whole yeah. way through it. It is, 
again, you don't know where it's going to go because he's not a famous name to us unless you're in... Of course he's not, no. Yeah. And and funny enough, then the Russians get the story overturned and they're they're allowed in the Olympics. The weird thing is there was a great quote put out that said, uh, we won't let politics get in the way of good sportsmanship. So don't dope, it's wrong. And that was the Russian guy saying that. And then it was politics that overturned the fact that Russia were going to get banned because of all the doping. It was a com- it was a complete hypocritical turn by not just the Olympics, but by the the Russian sports ministers. All of them, they all they they all went. Nah, fuck it. We're, we're, I guarantee. We're I guarantee. Dick Pound now has a bigger house. For fucking letting the Russians into the Olympics that year, I, I, I think it went. It. I think that went above his pay scale. I reckon that came down to probably that would have been uh, Obama and Putin, and Putin would have well, gone. It's, it's you want to make this it's, happen? It's yeah. not just the popular countries we care about; it's worldwide. Do you know what I mean? There's a governing body. Yeah, and Putin's a scary man, right? So, uh, yeah, that's. Uh, that's... I, be honest, I was watching this part. And I think, I think you'll be a good owner of a football club. That one. <laughs> When he says, I need you to go out there and win at least four more goals, you'd go out there and you'd get at least four more goals. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It cuts to a beautiful scene where scientists are all sitting around a table that are connected to the Olympics. And they're basically, they're slagging down Grigory for what he's done. Also, Brian Fogel goes and talks to the WADA. Yeah, and there's a woman there who's oh my kicking God. off about Grigory, like he, proper kicking off. She, he's made us look bad. He's embarrassed us. I've wasted so much time, and you're looking at this woman going, "Oh, hang on, love, you want to wind your neck in a bit." Yeah, and did you, you see? Not really seeing the wood for the trees. And yeah. Brian Fogel goes in his stead because they can no longer put him on Skype calls in case the Russians can triangulate his location and have him killed. Like, yeah. And this, uh, it, it's about as real a danger you see a man in from a government yeah. on a documentary I've ever seen. It was I, fascinating. Oh, and Brian Fogel at that point, he, he, he looks this woman and he looks at all of them and he says, I know some of you have maybe felt you've wasted time, but this guy has left his wife, his children, his colleague was murdered and he might be murdered. He's put his life on the line to become a whistleblower. Do you understand that? Do you know what he's done? And everybody in the room suddenly looks really sheepish. Yeah. I'll tell you what right. I want. Because they're all a bunch of nerds going, well, this is not fair. He's been a bit of a cheat. Yeah, he has been a bit of a cheat, but he's also been a whistleblower who's put everything on the line to tell the truth. If this, this was is... the part of the movie, that Brian Fogel speech would have had some great music over it. What would what yeah. the music have been? De- this what? What was the word earlier? Oh, non-diegetic. So okay. non-diegetic is the soundtrack, yeah. So if that was actually a movie, when Brian Fogel delivers his speech there, that would have had some diatratic music there, I'm telling you. Well, everything has diegetic and non-diegetic. I, I don't think I fully understand it, Rick. I was just trying to sound clever using a big word. <laughs> it's one of the fancy terms. So like, basically, I know these words from these courses I took because I didn't do well enough in one subject to get to university. So what I did is I did a load of different subjects and did bad in all of them until I got the UCAS points. <laughs> I, I don't so, know put the UCAS points after they make prizes that, no those are the points you, X amount of UCAS points will get into different universities okay alright so during that scene when he's telling them dressing them down 
this is what I wanted him to do. I want him to just like a movie. I just wanted him to start nipping one of his little steroid lumps on his thigh. <laughs> Just lick his fingers, and then just the rock music hits. ACDC starts with just throw, fucks the table against the wall, and just roid rages and homelanders them all. Yeah. You know that scene in Dogma when Ben Affleck goes around the room and kills everybody? Exactly like that. Or have you ever seen Bruce Lee when he gets cut on his cheek and he licks his blood slowly? That's what I want to do with it. Um... Then he just gets off on his bicycle and uh, <laughs> rides off, off he goes, out the window. Goes and wins a competition because he didn't before. Um, and basically, then. It but here's the funny it's thing about it. It's incredibly so, sad. Because they're starting to realise he's in a documentary as well. Because the whole way through it, I'm like, what's Khrushchev even talking about on camera this shit for? Because he can't talk about this shit. So Grigory's talking on camera the whole way from, like, how's he going to get away with this with the Russians? He's pretty much just dropping them in it just to show that he can yeah. do the doping. Um, so you're worrying about that the whole way through it. And I think it's almost premeditated he did that for his way out because he saw that the axe was swinging. Do you know what I mean? They were about to be... Well, here's the thing. My missus walked in just before he does the Skype call with his missus. And where he tells her he's going into witness protection program. And my missus just went, well, it's probably easier than a divorce, isn't it? Just to tell her that. And maybe he just ran away because he's just had enough of her. Yeah, yeah. I made an enemy of Vladimir Putin because I didn't want a rough conversation with my wife. That's exactly <laughs> what he did there, yeah. But his, and his family are treated terribly, right? Yeah. So the last he hears of it, his, um, his children and his sister and his wife, all of their passports were taken. All of them were interrogated. They're not allowed to leave the country and they're currently under watch. They stripped them of all their assets. Yep. So they're fucked while he's in witness protection program. But how do we know he's in the witness protection program? He could have been offed. No one knows. Probably, yeah. Right, he could be in Guantanamo right now uh, developing a new serum for the Americans to not get caught. And, you know, like now he's in, yeah, he's in Wisconsin. Yeah, he works in a... He works in a deli there. We've set him I up. I guarantee he's working on creating Captain America. That's that's what he's doing. That's his life's work. He could be right. He's a yeah. He's an accomplished scientist. Um, and at the end, you see him on the beach with the dog. Yeah. And since I know that Grigory has been taking the best steroids since the seventies, I just want to see him throw a stick that landed in Mexico for the dog. <laughs> <laughs> um. So to wrap it up, the rep- the Russian deputy sports minister. He's resigned and he's being investigated. The sports minister... Mood core, the KGB one. Who got everyone to resign, the KGB guy. He was promoted to the deputy prime minister of Russia. Yeah. How scary is that? Oh, terrifying place. Absolutely terrifying. Jesus. Uh, Putin denies any involvement and he's he's Zuckerberg scary, so no one's going to argue with that guy. And then a new sports minister was assigned the role. And then he was quoted as saying that Russia has run a doping program for years to win medals. And then the following day that was retracted and we don't hear any more mention of, of him. And then basically and it, the documentary ends and you're like, oh, and that's real life, isn't it? He goes into yeah. witness protection. Russia are, are allowed to carry on at the Olympics. Life carries on unless you're Gregory's wife or child or sister, in which case 
It probably doesn't. Or, or, or Gregory. Well, or, or Gregory. Well, but we don't know what happened to Gregory. We, and we're never going to know. That's the that's the thing. Oh, they, they had their passports confiscated as well, so you can never see them. Yeah. So um, I, I think this documentary easily could have been... You could have lost the beginning. The lawyer that they use is Edward Snowden's lawyer. And I just... Imagine being that guy with your Ford rings. You must be, oh, fuck, what's going on now? Like, <laughs> what have you done? You've created a virus that's gone global. Oh, my <laughs> word. I just imagine a bat ringing them in Wuhan. <laughs> <laughs> Help me out. Do you I'm work- a political prisoner. <laughs> Do you work pro bono? <laughs> Here's the bit I didn't get about the documentary. Why was it called Icarus? The Russians flew too close to the sun and they got caught. Okay. If they weren't beast in every single category, I would say that would be my my explanation. But the Americans also did really well at uh, at the Olympics, right? Uh, as did uh, Great Britain. We we done quite well, especially in cycling. Lance Armstrong is not Russian. Do you know what I mean? There there are all people that pass these tests and get yeah. through them. There's a lot of UFC fights where they get through the initial tests, have the fight, and then they get it uh, null and void two days after when they come and test them and something flares up. Oh, so it's like there's, VAR for UFC. Yeah, but there's a guy, there's like a Simone, and he looks Simone, do you know what I mean? Yes. So yeah. he's not in ripped shape of a heavyweight. And he's like, he's the super He's Samoan, Samoan what's Mark. the fucker going to do? <laughs> yeah, yeah, what's he going to do? You know, he's Samoan. Johnny Rocky, um, Johnny Rocky Horror. <laughs> Tony Rocky Horror, I think Tony Rocky Horror. Uh, so he had like an emotional plea at the end because he's in the heavyweight di- division and he lost five fights in a row, but all five got overturned because the other guys were on steroids. He's like, look, one of these guys are going to give me brain damage eventually. Like, this stop them beforehand because there is a fucking thing where like, look, We've sold a record amount of pay-per-views for this fight coming up. We still need to have this main event. There's not enough time to do another one. So have the fight, and then we'll just pop them tomorrow for the steroids. I don't understand. So, right, so just imagine when you have a big UFC. It's like boxing, you know, when you yeah, got yeah. like... Yeah, no, I get, I get that bit, but I didn't get... What, so what do you mean, pop you, them the you, next day for the steroids? So the steroids... So they... The, if they're doing all these tests and they only catch them the day after for steroids, it's kind of like rumoured like, okay, they'll probably found out beforehand, but paid to shut the hell up until they've had oh, the fight. Oh, I beg your pardon. So, okay. so yeah, they don't yeah, get like yeah. two million refunds on, on the pay-per-views. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the or money, it's just okay. not strict enough. That makes sense. Yeah, all right. So did you watch the, um, did you watch the credits? I did not. Okay. So the film was dedicated to whistleblowers who put truth over consequence and to clean athletes everywhere who choose to play by the rules. We're never going to know who those clean athletes are, though, because they never win, do they? So, uh, yeah, we're only going to know the druggies. It was it was quite a sad documentary, I must admit. I am. Um, I, I just think the tension no. is ramped up because you don't know if they're going to catch up to them. Yeah. The danger him and his family, and it is fascinating watching it. We just we've barely scratched the surface, and especially on the technical side, the technical side of how they do stuff is yeah, it, it's fascinating. A really, really strong documentary. I'm giving this one a four point five. I really enjoyed it. Really, I'm a huge fan of learning about the steroids, anabolic steroids, the the cheating within organizations. 
4.5. Wow. 4.5 well, is about as high as it comes from me. That's, well, that's not bad indeed. Um, I'm giving it a free. Yeah. Yeah, because... Not, not it, enough cycling from Will. But, <laughs> but that's that's the reason I watched it. I watched it for I the cycling. I felt I I'd been duped. I, I felt the opposite. I was annoyed to sit and watch it. So I didn't watch it. I've done the recording this like five <laughs> days later because I'm like, fucking cycling documentary. Mad. And then it's just like, oh, wait, no. International geopolitical landscape, scandal, yeah. steroids, murder, KJB, sent to an insane asylum. Like, it had everything. Brilliant. Actually, it did have everything. Let's, uh, I, I'm going to give it, I'll give it an extra 0.5. Go on, I'll give it 3.5 because that summary, you're right. One of the most, I tell you what, you tell me a more charismatic Russian, a more charismatic Russian than this guy. He is, he's the biggest cheat in sport in history. You love him. He's absolutely hilarious. You do love him. He's so charismatic. And every time he came on without a shirt, you were like, go on, son. I really like the idea that um, he was part of experimental KJB testing and he no longer feels cold. <laughs> <laughs> Do you see the part after the credits where I showed you that the the dog that he was with has actually won uh, the most greyhound races in history? (laughs) (laughs) And decided to drop its Me Too allegations about its testicles being shown on TV. Um, So that's uh, right. Okay, so for the first time ever, I am increasing my score as we're talking just because of Rick's summary. So that's a four and a half from Rick and a three and a half from me. So that is eight, which is that's not that's not too shabby. Yeah, yeah. For informative real time, yeah. I I, I gotta be honest, if you're into sports and any of that scandal stuff, this one is a d- d- definitive one that I've seen. And Brian Fogel, the director and the guy in it, he's a good man. I you genuinely yeah. get that feeling. He is a good man. He genuinely there's a lot of love between him and and Grigory. So uh, there's a funny part when you see that because uh, they put onto the Russian news that he's in this documentary, and you know it's Brian Fogel. The minute you see your face on a Russian TV, you must be like, ah, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> well, They're if you're take up, me dogs bollocks. <laughs> well, if you're up for it, Rick. So Brian Fogel's new documentary that I believe it's now out is called The Dissident. Um, I'm going to add that to the docket. Then Let, let's. Let let's start getting it incredibly real. Let's see how cl- let's see how close you can fly to the sun, my son. Yeah, that that could that could be a real PR nightmare for us because I got to be honest, I would sacrifice a hundred journalists for a hundred million pound striker <laughs> myself. <laughs> I, I can handle give me the list. Soak. Like I I was messing with friends because again, there's there's two sides to the whole thing, and again, it's sad to wrap this up talking about the Newcastle takeover again, but it's been brought up, so why not? I we messaged because I've got friends. The majority of my friends very liberal, very liberal. But it turns out our Geordie values are more important than our liberal values. Because the best quote that I had is, "I'll happily take an oil-soaked head in the desert <laughs> for us being in the top four. And it's difficult not to, not to go for that. And that I think that sums up this entire documentary. Actually, when when sport gets involved, people don't care. They just want to win. Yeah, because you don't, and and the humanity goes out the window. So, as a as a quick quick example to wrap this up on, Italy had the biggest match fixing scandal in years. There was a funny story during it when they said that Antonio Conte fell out of a window, which I'm pretty sure that's the mafia just coming round and yeah. clearing away problems. But um, so Inter Milan had like four 
for for winners' medals taken off them. And yeah. but the thing is that you you saw the time when you West Ham were in the FA Cup and you're winning for that thirty seconds. Yeah, that feeling isn't taken away from you by someone saying five years later it didn't count. It doesn't matter. It only matters when statisticians argue and be yeah. pedantic. Yeah. Those memories, if it turned out East Ham Bull, Liverpool were on anabolic steroids, doesn't change the way you felt when that third goal went in and the equaliser against AC That's, Milan. That is a good point, Rick. That that afternoon when we were in front in that FA Cup final was, I'd, even now thinking about it, my I'm, I'm getting goosebumps, my nipples are going hard. Yeah, it was great. It was absolutely great. A great feeling. Great afternoon. I remember it. And the tears that came later. Um, anyway, thanks for putting that memory in my head. Uh, <laughs> it's going right back to the pill bottle. <laughs> and thank you very much for joining us. Press the subscribe button if you haven't already. Check out our other episodes. If you want to chat, we're always available on Twitter, uh, on Facebook Messenger. What on is your email. Twitter account handle, Matt? At Twitter. <laughs> I can't believe you got that one. He's at Twitter. <laughs> I've got it here. Hang on, because there's a. Okay, motherfucker. Ask me the question again. What's your Twitter handle, Matt? Our Twitter handle, Rick. It's good of you to ask and bring that up. It is at discuss.pod. So that's at discuss.pod. Listen, we're going to make no, a promise at, right now. At discuss.pod. At discuss doc pod, yeah, okay, like, and we're going to make a promise right now that we, if you follow us on Twitter, that we will never, ever bother <laughs> you. Okay, this is this is just a thing where if enough people hit like, then companies might think we're worth something and we could make money. We've got a lot of stuff going on in both our professional and personal lives due to COVID. Matt, Matt is in in the early stages of relapsing onto opioid drugs. I've got some scary shit going on myself and really to be able to trick companies into selling dick pills would really help us out. So if you hit like, subscribe, just so the numbers look good. You don't even have to listen to the documentary, but if anyone can possibly think of an influencer so we can sell, you know, male hair grooming products or some dumb shit like that that no one cares about, we will be eternally grateful. I would like to back up the fact that since I created our Twitter account, I have not logged onto it. So there could be 10,000 people screaming at us going, I can't believe you said that about Newcastle. What do you mean West Ham are doing this? Oh, my God. You should. How can you disrespect the memory of Grizzly Man? How dare you? I haven't logged onto it to check. I, I got to be honest. As a gambler, man, I'll bet my share of the sweet advertising money we're not getting against <laughs> your share. Did that hasn't happened. <laughs> A sweet, sweet coffee money. We can gamble that as well. Um, Thank you so much to the nice person who bought us a coffee. That was nice of you. Yeah, and if you do want to uh, go onto our go onto our website, that'll take you to our discussing documentaries webpage, which has got all of our episodes, and it's got a button so you can donate money on coffee. Um, thank you very much for coming. Come back next week. There'll be more silly stories from me, Rick, and we will discuss another documentary. Rick, say goodbye. I'm terrible at the goodbyes. I just sound like I'm leaving the car too quickly and I don't want to be parked in the street. <laughs> all right. So like, thank you very much again for listening. Goodbye. Don't have that brilliant bullshit on at the end either. Dude, 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 dude. <laughs> Fucking hate that. I absolutely hate that.
Brilliant.